Coming up on the town tailgate, this year's Hall of Fame nominees are nobody. They elected nobody into the Hall of Fame, so me and Julio get into that. And of course, all all of the free agency moves and acquisitions, which there are a ton. So just hold tight for that one. There are a lot to get through, and we go through all of them. We talk about the moves and how they affect the teams that they went to and how they affect the teams that lost players. Um, so stay tuned. Here it is. Let's get to it. Also, just quickly, I want to apologize in advance. Um, we had some technical difficulties when recording this episode. So Julio's audio is not quite the regular, normal, crisp audio. It is uh, the Zoom audio. So um, his is going to sound a little rough at times, but um don't worry, we'll get it right next time. Um, still a great episode, and uh, here it actually is. So let's now get into it. This is an intro that I've been holding on to for the last few weeks, but we had to switch it up with the Marcus episode, so now I can do this. Chris, Julio, after six years of terrorizing the country, he's on. George Springer has left the Astros. It's about goddamn six time. Six years of terror is finally over. Yeah, something else happened, too, uh, for somebody who's been along for a long time, but I'm not really sure. Uh, but anyways... <laughs> We won't Hello, get everybody. That. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to this week's edition of the Town Tailgate. I am one of your hosts here, Huli Reynoso, with my great pal, Chris Magical. And Chris, you got something pretty cool looking over your uh, left shoulder there. What's that? I do. If our YouTube viewers are watching right now, you can see um, uh, there is a cool little graphic going on in this building behind me. Um, that's because I am coming to you live from the Super Bowl. I am at the Super Bowl this weekend. Um, I am in Tampa right now. I am here for work, um, covering it, and um, it's pretty fucking awesome, and it's pretty exciting, and you know, it's a, definitely a dream. When you're a kid, you always want to you dream to go to the Super Bowl, but you never actually think that you're going to be there, especially when you're an adult. You're like, oh, there's no way I can fucking afford to take the Super Bowl. But when your work pays for you to go to the Super Bowl, that's how you get to go. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's where I am. I'm here. I'm I'm in Tampa. I thought it was a cool little graphic outside my window, so I thought I'd throw that on for the. Oh, there uh, he is. There goes TV. Yeah, there's there's Tom Brady right now. Um. So yeah, this is a special Super so, Bowl episode of Town Tailgate this week. Yeah. So is this your first time in a city, a host city? What do you mean? Because, well, because at, fun fact, I was actually in San Diego. For the Raiders Super Bowl in 03. Oh, I did not know that. Um, you didn't go to the game, I didn't though. You go. were just in the city? Yeah, so um, okay. my dad was a season ticket holder for about 15 years when they first came back from L.A., mm -hmm. and then Jamarcus happened, and he just stopped. Yeah, I would, too. Um, but I would yeah, too. He, yeah, yeah, but uh, he got uh, – he was, he was able to get Super Bowl tickets, so uh, we went down as a family, and then him and my brother Mondo went. Yeah. And uh, did not Oh, well, no, if we know that, but mm -hmm. it was cool. I was actually able to walk around the gas lamp and I got to see all the fan experience stuff. So it's like something I vividly remember as a kid. Yeah. 
So the and I NFL still to, today, to, the, to this day hold. A, I was gonna say. Go go ahead, go ahead. I still hold a grudge because I went to Chico. So I went to almost every game that season with my dad, except for one game. And every game we went to together, the Raiders won. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, we lost because I wasn't there, man. <laughs> Were that you mad at your dad that, that he picked your brother and not you to go to the game? Uh, no, I wasn't really too upset because my brother's Amondo, I don't know. You may have met him once or twice. Mondo's the biggest Raider fan I've, I know. He's got a Raider yeah. tattoo and all that shit. Yeah. Um. So, like, I understood. And he was away from home in Chico, and he got to go to the Super Bowl. But uh, I'm just saying they would have won if I would have been there. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never been to any form of a championship game, to be honest with you, except for um, – or been in the city for one, except for the World Baseball Classic. But um, I don't think that has exactly has the hype quite that a Super Bowl or a World Series or an NBA Finals has. But um, this is my first one. And uh, I was talking to my uncle about it earlier. Like, you know, they typically do, like, the NFL experience, which is like a carnival, for lack of a better word. It's just like an outdoor festival that goes on the days prior. And I wasn't sure if they're going to have one, but they do. They have one here, but it's just more spread out. Um, and they only let certain amount of people at certain um, locations of it. So it's like along the, the river in, in Tampa. And there's like four different places where you can go get the NFL experience. So that they don't have too many people in one place. But it's pretty cool. I mean, there's a lot of people here. Uh, that's another thing I was a little surprised about. There's a lot of people here. And a lot of people, I was um, having like a couple of drinks and getting some dinner down the street at a pub last night. And... Um, there's a lot of people there just meeting people and overhearing people talking about it who are here and have no intention on actually going to the Super Bowl. They just want to be here. So it's like it's pretty crazy how the world reacts in that way, how they still want to come here, even though COVID's going on and it's super dangerous and like be amongst all these people. They just like don't give a fuck. And I don't know. It's just really weird. Um, yeah, I mean, it is Florida, so I, I shouldn't expect anything different. But like there's people Florida. from around the country that are here. Like, there's, there's people... What's up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's people from, like... I saw oh, Browns fans. No, I was fans. saying just Florida, but go on. Yeah, I saw, there's like, there's Browns fans here, like, earlier today. There's, like... There was, like, uh, uh, Atlanta uh, Falcons fans. Like, it's, it's just the weirdest thing. And I was thinking about the Browns fans earlier when I was walking by them. I'm like, I wonder if they bought their tickets as soon as the regular season was over and were, like, so hyped up. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go to the Super Bowl, so I'm going to buy my tickets. And then when they lost um in the divisional round they're just like fuck it let's just let's just still go anyway <laughs> i mean as scary as florida is right now i mean it might it still might be better than a winter in ohio so Before we jump in That's we cool. got to do our little typical our typical uh little mini conversations uh off-season talk what have you been watching man what's anything you've wanted to watch recommend to the listeners uh you want to do this before you don't want to do this at the end yeah, because uh, no, because I, there's some stuff that's sentimental that I think we want to talk a little bit more about at the end of the show. So let's just start that's off good here. Point. I'll tell you straight up. I'll lead off. Um, I've been watching a lot of movies lately. Okay, but what movie are you on right now? What, what, young what, woman. What, what, what movie number are you on right now? Oh yeah. So if um, if you don't follow me on Instagram, uh, there's uh, I'm keeping a running tab of all the movies I've watched during uh, COVID. I'm at seventy. 70 god damn well, and, well done julio yeah uh 
Yeah. Uh, but the movie we watched last weekend was Promising Young Woman. Okay. And who's in that? That it's Carrie Mulligan. Okay. Uh, it's probably going to get nominated for Best Picture. She's probably going to get nominated for Best Actress. Uh, basic premise. She plays a woman whose best friend was uh, sexually assaulted. And she pretty much goes on a revenge against the men who try to do wrong to women in that way. Mm -hmm. It's super tense. Interesting. Um, Highly, it it highly, 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 highly recommend. Um, It is a tough movie to watch at parts. It's, um, I, I think it's probably even tougher for women to watch, but I think it's like a fantastic movie. Highly recommend. Um, right now you can only, you have to rent it to mm-hmm. watch it. So I, I paid like 20 bucks to watch it, but it was like totally worth it. 10 out of 10 recommend. So something interesting about this director, um, Emerald Fennell, um, she's never directed before. This is her directorial yep. debut. She was an she actress before. Um, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about actor directors maybe because personal um experiences working with them um but um yeah i'm sure it's pretty good i i also have mixed feelings about carrie mulligan i've never been a big fan of hers but i've actually i've also never seen a role that quite that quite uh like gives her a chance to um you know show her stuff for lack of a better word um for me so you would say her roles her roles you would say you would call a mulligan on it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, right. Go on. Uh, I mean, for me, it's just been it, right now we are in the heat of of, uh, of college basketball. So it's been a lot of college hoops and also NBA to keep up on my NBA podcasting because I love the NBA. But a lot of college hoops and there's college hoops all day, every day. So that's pretty much the main thing I've been watching. Not been diving into a lot of tv shows or movies um especially with march madness in a month um yeah um and um i mean julio knows this but for listeners i'm a huge college hoops fan not a lot of people um are college hoops fans but uh if you want to talk to me about college basketball i love it you could tweet me um and yeah i'd like i just you know i'm just trying to keep up on that and there's so many games that um that's kind of what where I've been spending my free time. Uh, also, online gambling while I do it is one of my favorite things in the world. Especially li- having like sitting 10 in my out of ten. Yep. S- sitting in my living room with three TVs on the wall. It's literally like I have my own sports book in my apartment because I can just make bets while I watch on my phone. It's great. Uh, that's been my my main hobby lately. Uh, we should jump into baseball though. So let's do let's do online that. gambling. Yeah, exactly. This is a baseball podcast. Um, <laughs> before I jump into, don't forget, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're not also, if you're not subscribing to our podcast through Apple or Spotify, please do so and follow us on Twitter. But let's pick it off with the big three. And holy shit, Chris, the Hall of Fame was a disaster. Uh, this we have nobody going into the Hall of Fame this year. This yeah. is the first time I believe since twenty. 13 uh i'm gonna do a fact check but uh go ahead and lead it off man what the hell i think so i think my biggest issue with the hall of fame um because like we talked about it beforehand like we said that there was at least three candidates that we felt like were pretty solid picks that were in our opinion shoe-ins but maybe for the casual baseball fan don't agree because they don't i don't know maybe 
they just didn't watch him. I don't know. Like Scott Rowland, uh, Torrey Hunter, and Kurt Schilling. My issue with, with, um, with, with the Baseball Hall of Fame is when did it become the morality Hall of Fame? I, I don't I don't understand why that is such an important thing, and I I know a lot of the listeners are probably thinking saying like Chris you're such a con- you're contradicting yourself like you have your very clear stance on steroids. Well, steroids is a little bit different because that is actually a rule of baseball, and certain people blatantly broke that rule while playing the game of while playing in the in Major League Baseball in the league. Uh, say what you want about Kurt Schilling and his craziness the guy is batshit crazy he's got clearly a lot of very interesting um issues that he does not quite understand i won't even get into them transgender his strong stance against it that's one of them um but this is the baseball hall of fame this isn't the good person hall of fame so like why are we why is that being why is that weighing in on whether he gets in there or not because if you look at his numbers look at his baseball reference it shouldn't even be a question. The guy was one of the best pitchers of his era. Him and Randy Johnson single-handedly won a World Series against the greatest team of that era. Um, yes, I said that right. Two pitchers single-handedly won that World Series for the Diamondbacks back in 2001. It's just, it, it's absolutely mind-blowing. And Buster Olney made some comments on SportsCenter last week um, saying kind of... Uh, putting the blame on on uh, the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame committee, saying that um, it's their fault for putting the pressure on the writers to be the ones who make the decision um, and have to decide whether morally they want to use they want to use their vote to put morals you get what I'm saying. Like they want to use they want to put ethics into deciding if they want to vote them in or not. Oh, yeah. And that's a bunch of crock shit. And I I'm sorry, I love you, Buster Only, but that is just a scapegoat bullshit excuse. Um, because you made the decision. Um, it shouldn't be up to the Hall of Fame on deciding who go gets on the ballot and who they think is like the right person to be on the ballot. If you played in Major League Baseball, you have a right to be on that ballot. And if you're gonna be the ones voting people in as the writers uh, I, I don't understand why – I don't know. A- everything about it, which when I heard that, it was – I think it was on uh, uh, Mike Greenberg's radio show. When I heard that, like, clip, I was just it, – it pissed me off, the fact that he had the balls to do that, you know? Um, I think the one thing we've pretty much realized – look, we're, I think we're both in the same boat where Kurt Schilling's a huge piece of shit. Um, not only because some of the things he has said about the transgender community, some of his wild conspiracy theories he's put out there. Uh, you also have to remember that he bankrupted a video game company because he wanted to make a video game yep. and he lost a lot of people, a lot of money and their jobs. Uh, <clears throat> but, but at the end of the day, yeah, he was, a, he won a world series to, he took out the Yankees that year. And let's not forget 2004. He took out the bloody Yankees sock. again with the Red Sox, the bloody sock game. Like the guys, legendary and he should be in um i hope he gets in but uh just don't let him talk if that's the case um the weird thing that's kind of really bugging me about this whole situation is we forget or um i would say just the, the average baseball fan and or whatever forgets that this the cooperstown is not a 
MLB organization. This is pretty much a fan club of baseball kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, it goes down to the writers and at, it, it's kind of dumb. I don't think the, the writers are giving too much power. We've kind of seen what's been going on over the last five, six years, really about like how much power baseball media has had when it comes to labor negotiations. We saw it happen last year, mm-hmm. uh, how much power they have when it comes to who's in, who's out kind of thing. And it, it's starting to get a little ridiculous. Um, if, if people want to hold, Kurt Schilling accountable for his actions as a person. It's a, I get it. I wouldn't do it because there's worse people in the Hall of Fame. Ty mm-hmm. Cobb, looking at you. Yeah. What um, the fuck? The dude killed someone it. and he's in the fucking Hall of Fame. The dude yeah. killed someone. Yeah. We don't even know all the full shit that went down like in the early 1900s with those yeah. players, like pre like in segregation times and all mm-hmm. that. We don't even know. Dude, Scott Rowland was arguably the best third baseman of the 2000s yeah like the only people you could put ahead of him arguably would be a rod who was not a full-time third baseman his whole time time during the the time i would argue yeah yeah well let's see when he got traded to the yankees in 04 is when he okay so he was a third baseman majority of the decade yeah but because he went in 2004 to yankees but still uh, Scott Rowland, seven-time Gold Glove winner, or seven-time All-Star, or eight-time Gold Glove winner. He won the World Series in 2006. Career numbers, uh, 316 home runs. Uh, I just had the career batting average, 281, like, batting average, dude. Mm. And he was a part of an awesome Cardinals team in 2006 that won the World Series. Yeah. I truly don't understand what the parameters are at these days because – well, like we're going to be in a lull for a little bit. If you got to be real, like if you look at the next few, I think we talked about this last podcast. Um, we're going to be on a bit of a dry spell because of steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, next guy is coming up next year who should have been a lock, but is probably not going to be as David Ortiz because of steroids. Yeah. And this is the time where it's like somebody like Scott Rowland or somebody like Tory Hunter, like they do deserve to get in, man. Like mm-hmm. they're, those guys were revolutionary. What we did, like how many times, uh, we probably hated Tory Hunter when he was because he terrorized the A's with the Twins and, and uh, he would constantly Angels, rob, how many times, rob our guys of home runs. Yeah, yeah, but how many times would you be like playing like pickup baseball with your friends at the yard and you'd be like, oh, bro, rob home run, Tory Hunter? Like mm-hmm. the dude was yeah revolutionary, and it, yeah, it, it, it's just it, we've talked about this before too. Baseball because of Cooperstown being around so long. It just seems so much harder to get into the Hall of Fame when it shouldn't be compared I, to other sports, especially basketball. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, my my, I, I don't agree with you on that one. I think that the writers, in my opinion, should be the ones um, voting on awards and voting on uh, Hall of Fame because no one knows baseball and the ins and outs of it and the entire league as a whole more than people who cover it for a living. They get paid to inform the public on it so like if we did fan voting that would be the most lopsided i mean look at look at the all-star voting this year for the nba we were just talking about it like clay thompson's getting votes he hasn't stepped on a court yet like you know like that that would be a disservice coaches coaches and retired players would be biased 
um, owners would be biased. Like there really no is no better person people than the writers. But I think my way to solve this problem is start taking away Hall of Fame votes from people. Like you should have an expiration date. If you've had a Hall of Fame vote for forty years, like you got it's got to go, and it should go to these to a younger audience to try and like get. A, a different perspective. Should go to us. What's <laughs> up? I'll take a Hall of Fame vote, dude. And I, I know this I podcast is starting. It's probably starting to become the like okay boomer podcast because we constantly shit on them. But like it's it's beginning to be a problem. Like I mean, and and why shouldn't um, younger baseball um, journalists have a say in what happens? Like I know like a lot of people don't even get that vote until they're in like they're until they're like forty five, and by the time they're like they're heroes of their childhood have made it onto the ballot like they're either long gone either they're out and they're not on the ballot or they're or they're um or they're already in so it's like why can't those guys have a say like i don't know it just it, it baffles my mind the whole system is just completely out of whack or or let those guys still have a ballot the older people and just add like a thousand more ballots and get a get more writers in there to kind of balance it out more i just i don't know it just doesn't make sense to me man like it the whole the system of of getting um the analytics in you know what i mean it just doesn't make sense to me um well we'll wrap this up in a moment uh but i if they really want to like be better at this i think they need to take a page from the oscars which is when oscars a few years ago they had that whole movement with the you know, hashtag Oscar so white and what they did is they dive, they really diverse their voting pool yeah um if baseball if they if, they, if baseball truly thinks that this is an issue and I think amongst people like us we do, do think it is whether they think so or not they yeah. should do something like that mm-hmm. um there's so many other problems going on in the game right now that I feel like that's kind of in the back burner yeah but true we'll see uh, speaking of other baseball problems uh, there is a couple union stuff that we should probably know about if you haven't heard already. Uh, the uh, MLB union rejected a deal which included a universal DH as well as an expanded playoff for the formal season. And as of a couple days ago, they also uh, rejected a proposal to delay the season by a month. Um, this was actually a pretty interesting one. If you haven't heard too well, much about it should it. be. It also should uh, be noted, Julio, that that this isn't um, like it's done. Like it's completely like it like the there no discussion. It's just it's still being negotiated. It made, MLB made an offer to the players' association. Those were the main things in that offer, and uh, they uh, the players' association uh, denied it. Basically, yeah. Um, so. Yeah. This one's a little interesting, though, with the month delay, because this was actually came down from the Biden administration because they're like, hey, they were only going to lose eight games and like you're going to get full pay and everything. It, from what it sounds like is they just want to wait a little bit and that that point the players will be able to get vaccinated mm-hmm. and then you just don't have to worry about it at all. Yeah. Um, and the player shot it down. So. This is we've known this was going to be messy. Yeah, we've been talking about it for the last how many months? This podcast we're doing this now, like seven months. Yeah, and it's going to build up to something worse because in reality, if this is what's being brought to the table, um, 
then why wouldn't you just lose eight games so you can get the league vaccinated and you just don't even have to worry about this for the rest of the year kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, how do you feel about all this though? I don't know. I, 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 this is, I think this is more of more or less of the beginning to what's going to be a pretty ugly negotiation next off season. Um, and I'm, I'm with the players for standing their ground, but I think these are just such important things that are really helped the game last year with the universal DH and the expanded playoffs. So I get what they're doing. It's, it's a good strategy, but um, I do hope that these things eventually do end up as like permanent like changes. Cause I had so much fun watching the wild card um, round last year. So I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's very fluid. Um, I don't know. I think kind of leads us to our next thing though. The, you know, the, the cactus league, they asked for, for the start of spring training to be delayed um, because of COVID cause the cases are going up and, th- and honestly like Arizona. So I saw that, uh, Jeff Passan tweeted something about in regards to this, um, when the governor of Arizona first came out and said like, you know, we don't want like more people here. And he was like, uh, you have people at like hockey games at like coyote games, but you don't, um, but you draw the line with, um, allowing attendance at baseball games. Well, it's a little bit different because people – it's like a tourist event. People are coming from all over the country to Arizona to watch spring training, to watch their teams, get to know their prospects. So you're potentially bringing COVID cases from around the country into your state, and it could potentially blow that up. Whereas a Coyotes uh, NHL game, you're only allowing fans in the area into your game. So it's, it's – I don't know. It's a lot different. Sorry, Jeff. We love you, but um, that was a pretty stupid thing to tweet. You should have put more thought into it. Um, um, and anyway, it was denied, so it doesn't matter. You know, Arizona's going to have to figure it out, and I imagine that it's a huge money maker for them. It probably drives their most of their economy for the year. So I can't imagine them canceling it and not allowing fans. They're probably just going to bull ahead through it and just deal with the consequences afterward, right? I mean, well, how, how do you see that panning out? Yeah, it's it's interesting because we're kind of seeing more or less the same thing. Because look, in reality, baseball needs it. We need to do. We need dudes to like get in shape, get yeah. ready to play, kind of thing. Um, that's I mean, and you can make some extra money out of it. Why not? It's kind of the same thing that's happening with the Olympics. Is there's been a lot of rumors going around that they just straight up might cancel the Tokyo Olympics. Um, because in reality, uh, so yeah, it's about the competition. It's about uh, just seeing the best in the world of what they do. Yeah. But also, it's a huge revenue generator for the host country. So in Tokyo. Yeah. Um, same situation happening right now. What's the point? If you can't make money off of all the ticket prices and we've both been to spring training a bunch of times we know how expensive mm-hmm. tickets can be especially if it's going to be a, a marquee team like the the cubs or the dodgers unless you want uh, to die unless you want to die out in the grass and, in the sun and get heat stroke yeah you probably you want to pay for nicer tickets so you can sit in the shade yeah um yeah exactly so it's it, it'll be this is all this is so fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going to be happening if you're kind of keeping up with how COVID numbers are actually doing? It's 
there's actually was a number that came out that there is actually more people vaccinated than you reported cases as yeah. of like the last few days. So uh, vaccination is actually um, just reading some of the numbers. They're actually doing way better than they thought they would be. Well, it depends on the area, uh, so- Julio. Arizona is doing really well, um, but Northern California is doing it, it's bad. Uh, my parents just got approved for vaccination, and they're well over sixty-five. Oh, LA, in terms of um, and then of Southern, it, yeah, 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 and then so, but Southern California is doing great. Like it was three weeks ago that they started allowing people over sixty-five to get it. So it's like it really depends on the area. I don't know why it's the distribution is so bad in certain places, but yeah, I think Arizona is doing really good though. So I would think that they would be able to get it down enough. To the, by the time they have it, they would, you know, it wouldn't be too big of an issue. Maybe seventy five percent capacity at those stadiums. I don't know. We'll see. Um, what's it's funny that you say that because we're going to talk a little bit more about the Northern California COVID vaccine stuff. Yeah. Um, all this stuff is really fluid. We're going to jump into our our hot stove talk, but before we do, we got to wish a happy retirement from. Um, honestly, this is probably one of my favorite non-Oakland A, uh, Dustin Pedroia, the pride mm-hmm. of Woodland, California, uh, Red Sox, great four-time all-star, two-time world champ, and, and a 2008 MVP, the laser show, retired at the age of 37. Uh, Northern California kid, man, it was so hard not to root for him, especially just uh, how he played base, excuse me, how he played second. He was like one, he was the Scrappy. best baseman for scrappy as shit dude like you could not love dustin pedroia he was mvp um, the year 2007 championship right was it that 2008 year he was i have it in front of me oh so the year after okay yeah okay yeah it's uh it's kind of a bummer because towards the back end of his career just injuries really paltered him because he was on pace to be a home second baseman yeah um there's a chance that he still could get him if you kind of put him up against. Like, I was what, just about uh, to ask you that. Do you think he's a Hall because of Famer? Because if he was. Um, it'll be interesting because there's not. If you look at the people, the second baseman who have won an MVP, it's a pretty limited list. You're going to look at like El Tuve, um, Ryan Sandberg, off like at the top of my head. Um, like, but it's a yeah. really, really, really small list. It's pretty exclusive. Yeah. Um, like Chase Utley's not even. I think in, he has but a I, shot. I don't. I don't think. But Chase Utley, I don't think he's eligible yet, though. So I think that's part of it. No, Chase Utley. He, I think he's going to be up because when did he retire? He's like in another three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chase. Yeah. Chase Utley may have a good chance. That's a good comparison player. But like, yeah, the second base position isn't a huge. Uh, like if not compared to like a first baseman or a shortstop when it comes to like the mountain you have to climb to get in, mm-hmm. but like he could get in. I don't know how you feel about it. I don't. I mean, after seeing like Scott Rowland not get in, I don't think that he's getting in. Like I would be shocked. It's it sucks because he's got an MVP and he was probably yeah he, he was the best second baseman in all of baseball for I don't know like a six year span there and then injuries really just tore him down but he was such a key piece and even like his later years in those like the 2000 was it 12 or 13 championship 2013 that was when they he was a big piece like as a leader um in that clubhouse for that championship um but yeah i don't i don't i don't think he gets in um yeah all right so i i have it in front of me 
there's wow. Uh, he is only the there's only five second basemen in the American League to win MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie Geringer, who was in the Tigers in 1937. Joe uh, Joe Gordon in 1942. Say Joe Morgan. Fox, Joe Morgan wasn't in the AL. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in the NL, it's a little more consistent. So Joe Morgan's won it twice. Yeah. Uh, Frankie Fitch from the Cardinals in the 1930s. Jackie Robinson, Ryan Sandberg. And then another person I think should get in, Jeff Kent, won in 2000. Um, it'll be interesting. He's not a first ballot. No, definitely not. I could see because he is a Red Sox, because he has those two titles, the MVPs, and like the first half of his career, he was on the level. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I hope so. Um, I, he was only somebody I really liked. I think, I think he was probably one of the more lovable players in baseball. Uh, so fingers crossed. Yeah. Now, oh, dude, I don't know. Oh, shit, dude, I'm getting hot. You feel that? You're so dope, cheesy baby. in everything the hot you stove. do. You're so, you're <laughs> like, you just, nothing but dad jokes come out of you, dude. <laughs> it's the great. hot stove it's has been torching the last few weeks. And uh, it, we're can, I, can we just warn the fans right now? This is a long list. Because yeah. we didn't do it at the last podcast, we talked about Marcus all the time. We've got a lot of activity in the yeah. free agent market, so we got to get through a lot. Heads up. So we're di- we're dividing this into a few sectors. Um, one is is just gonna be like, oh shit, that happened. The mm-hmm. no liner and auto trade. We'll get our thoughts in a second. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna be talking about trades that are relevant to the A's or acquisitions that are relevant to the A's, um, which are in division potential guys that A's could have gone after and then competitors in the AL and then best of the rest. Rest of the rest. We're just gonna breeze through those. Not really gonna say much. Um, that would they don't just to kind of let you know if you missed out on it. Uh, but yeah, holy shit, Nolan Arenado traded to Nolan Arenado and $50 million <laughs> traded to the St. Louis Cardinals for a batch of prospects. Um, and the prospects were not great. I thought for sure Matt Carpenter would have been in the deal because he's been more or less the everyday third baseman over there. Um, but he was not. So now you have an infield consisting of Paul DeYoung, Nolan Arenado, and Paul Goldschmidt at first. Uh, holy shit, they did that. Let, let's let, let's approach this from the the Colorado Rockies standpoint first. Let's say let's call this what it is. It's a payroll dump. Uh, they saw. Yes. I mean, I I don't know exactly what the Rockies owners' financial situation is, but I would imagine it's not very good because there's been talk of him moving. Them moving Arenado for the past couple of years after he signed this massive contract. And I think he signed it last offseason. They probably are like, oh my God, this is going to get a bunch of people in our stands. No one was in the stands last year. Maybe he maybe he lost money on the GameStop situation. Who knows? I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, it, it, it's just it's, it's simple as that. He just doesn't want this money on, money on his books. So he did whatever he could to get rid of it. It's not going to be very popular in Colorado. But let's be honest, Colorado is not really a baseball state anyway. So at the end of the day, I'm shrugging my shoulders for those of you who aren't watching the YouTube. Yeah. Um, it, it, I think that's kind of – so to kind of go for the Rockies' perspective a little bit more, um, Trevor, Trevor Story is going to be a free agent in the coming offseason. Yeah. Very stacked people, I think some market like, next oh. offseason. Yeah, which is, I think we talked about in the last pod. I yeah. was so filled with rage. I can't remember what we even talked about. But 
uh, so some speculations like, okay, they're going to use that money for story. But in reality, I don't think they are. I think they owners just saw the losses that they got from last season. They saw mm-hmm. that looking at what the Dodgers and the Padres were, um, what they had done in this off season. And they're like, well, there's no point. The one thing I'm a little concerned about, and there's another trade that happened earlier. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I feel like a lot of these guys who have been traded, these big names who have been traded, uh, Francisco Lundero, thank you, that thought of it. Thank you, Julio. You're welcome, Julio. Um, <laughs> the, whole, the returns have not been great. Yeah. If you look at the Mookie Betts deal last year, who's the prized possession? Alex Verdugo. Alex Verdugo is really good, and mm-hmm. I think he has potential to be an all-star outfielder for the Red Sox. Um and that, even though like that was also a salary dump, Verdugo is going to be legit. There's nobody that caliber of talent that the Rockies acquired, and the same thing with the with Cleveland mm-hmm. when they when they trade Lindor. It's a little concerning, as like a casual fan of somebody who we've been through so much bullshit this last month with our organization. It's scary of what's going to be happening when pretty much everybody's going to get traded to a powerhouse or to the East coast. That's my biggest concern. Um, but in terms of like, okay, the Cardinals perspective, I don't think it makes them that much better. Obviously in what, the infield in, defense. In what, in what way does it not make them that much better? Well, they had, there's, there was actually like a fan graph stat that they, they still projected the rock or the Rockies, the Cardinals to be about a 500 team still. Um, obviously that infield is going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. A great, they had an excellent defensive infield. You're going to have a ton of pop in the lineup. There's still going to be some questions about the rotation. Jack Flaherty was excellent last year, um, but Carlos Martinez is coming back from an injury. They yeah. brought back Adam Wainwright on a one-year deal, um, who, who was surprisingly pretty good. But again, last year was such a small sample size. You can't really talk too much about it. Uh, they're probably going to still win the division just because, you know, the, the Cubs – Looked like they're kind of not going to do much this year. There's still talks of Chris Bryant getting traded. Uh, the Brewers actually made a decent deal. We're going to talk about the little later. They might be a pretty good competitor. Um, the Pirates are, um, for lack of better words, and uh, the, the Reds are tanking or Reds are going to lose their ace. Yeah, yeah. Red, the Reds. It looks like they're trying to like give up but after. That's what I was going to say, year, so. Leo. Like that. So like their division, they're going to pay play sixty percent of their games in their division. Like their division fucking sucks. They're just going to fucking stack up wins that way. So I don't agree with that fan graph stat at all. But the numbers. I yeah. As long as you can pound the ball out of the park, you can overcome your shitty pitching against their also shitty pitching like i'm just trying to think also like big pitchers in that division and Flaherty's the only one that really comes to mind um kyle hendricks maybe oh no kyle huh. exactly Sorry, kyle hendricks but I, I wouldn't say big exactly pitch. i was gonna say uh oh my god i'm totally spaced out who are the two uh starters for the brewers uh they were on mason's fantasy team last year oh and really good i can't oh my yeah um, I'm totally blanking too. Anyway, I, they're I'm not better than up. Jack Flaherty yeah. though. Uh, oh, Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff was awesome last yeah. year. Yeah, uh, he had a breakout year for sure. 
And then Cor- Corbin Burns was awesome. I think the Brewers are, to me, might be the like the division favorites. But we'll see. We're going to talk a little bit more about them later when it comes to other moves. Um, but let's jump right in to some stuff that's more relevant for the A's. Because at the end of the day, guess what? This is an A's podcast. Let's talk about the guys who are just down the road about 40 minutes south from us in the California Angels of Anaheim of Los Angeles of Disneyland or whatever the hell you want to call them. Made a couple uh, one-year deals of orange of Fullerton of Disneyland. Because literally uh, the stadium is, I think it's the stadium is actually technically in, no, it might technically be in Anaheim, but right across the street is orange. It's in the, uh, the as an Anaheim resident of three years, it's actually in the platinum triangle of Anaheim. Got it. Got it. You're welcome. Anyways, uh, (laughs) anyways, that stadium sucks. Uh, <laughs> uh, they made a couple pitching acquisitions. They signed Jose Quintana from the Chicago Cubs and Alex Cobb to one-year deal. Uh, Alex Cobb was on the Orioles to one-year deal. Um, and then uh, just literally like an hour before we started this podcast, they were made Fowler from the Cardinals. This is pretty much going to be a salary dump for the Cards. They just picked up this huge contract with Arenado for a player to be named later. Uh, here's an interesting thing that really stood out for this trade. What's well, one, what's the point? Uh, it shows that the angels aren't ready for Joe Adele to be a full-time outfielder for them. Um, we, I, we talked about him last summer and he kind of panned out, but here's something to think about, Chris, all these guys that they've picked up this off season. So Dexter Fowler, Alex Cobb, Jose Iglesias, Rafael Iglesias, Jose Quintana, they're all one-year deals. Mm-hmm. They all have expiring contracts. So pretty much going forward, the only big guys they have on Rendon long-term deals Trout. are going to be Radon, Trout, Upton, Otani. Oh, Upton. And... Well, Otani's on a kind of a – it's not technically a rookie deal, but it's he's not getting paid a shit ton of money. It's like a Stephen Piscotty deal. It's like a fair veteran deal. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is – honestly, I think this is a smart move. I think this is a smart move for the Angels because it's like, cool, let's see if you can squeeze whatever juice you have out of Fowler left. Um, if there's nothing there, then cool, just let him walk, and then you have your future right fielder, and then now you're going to have all this extra money to spend on this crazy potential free agent options in the offseason. Well, Julio, does it make them better? Because I would say this was pretty in classic Angels form other than like the random massive deals that they signed like Rendon. It's pretty underwhelming signings. Um, Look, let me me phrase this a little bit differently, too. The Astros got worse again this offseason. The A's got worse. Are the Angels still, with that being said, are the Angels, would you you say they're better than than those two teams? Do you you think they have a shot beating them for the, for the, uh, for the division? I would still say no. Honestly, no. Yeah. It's the old, the old. That's how underwhelming those from, signings uh, are. That's how underwhelming they are. The, 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 the two top teams in the division got worse, and yet the Angels still aren't good enough. It's the old quote from uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. I know you can be underwhelmed. I know you can be overwhelmed. But can you just be whelmed? It's a great quote. I think you can in France. Uh, <laughs> but And also... <laughs> 
we we're not going to talk too much about it because um honestly fuck him but the whole mickey callaway situation he is the Angels pitching coach, uh, he was a, the manager for the Mets, and then he was a pitching coach for the Indian, uh, Cleveland. Um, he's in a huge hot water over some sexual assault allegations. Uh, the team has decided, instead of firing him, uh, because they're, he didn't say he did it, he technically can't get fired, I guess. I don't hmm. know. Anyways, he was something that he's a good pitching coach and I think he could have done something with these guys, but honestly, he's probably not going to be around when spring training goes around because you know, he's a piece of shit. And, uh, we saw how Dylan Bundy actually had a pretty good year last year. They're just, yeah, they're not there. They're not going to be their offense. I think will it's going to win them games. I think they're still going to be a huge pester, but yeah, the rotation's not there. They're not going to be there unless they can pull a fucking, rabbit out of the hat and get trevor bauer and it's yeah. probably not gonna happen they're not gonna be there to be honest with you this this doesn't deserve any more conversation it's just like it's just underwhelming <laughs> anaheim wants to do something right just uh get people vaccinated and reopen disneyland please <laughs> all right now let's Close go to our really hated rivals the houston astro yeah uh the houston astros even though they lost george springer we're going to talk a little bit more about him later uh they did retain michael brantley who pulled an okie doke on the blue Jays and they originally announced that he was signing over there and then it was retracted. He is staying in Houston two year, $32 million deal that outfield will now be uh, Cole Tucker, who was awesome last year for them, Michael Brantley. And then uh, they all, they actually signed Steven Souza jr. To a minor league deal to see if he can make the roster. Uh, Brantley was awesome last year. Brantley yeah, he was still arguably... good. He looks like he didn't require cheating to be a successful baseball player. One of the few on that yeah. team. Uh, he was arguably like the most consistent offensive player the whole season for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, they got they're getting worse. Mm-hmm. They got worse this last off this past off season. Yeah, and you hinted to it already. This, you, we're going to tell you why they got the team worse. Going to be yeah. Exactly. Michael Brantley will, and if you think about it, the offense is still going to be great. Um, oh my God. Well, I'm totally spacing on the rookie from a couple of years ago, the DH. He was out all last season. At the end of the day, the um, guy's a DH though. So how much impact does he have? Cause he doesn't impact the, 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 in the American team league on both sides, but yeah, but he doesn't impact on both sides of the field. I get what you're saying, but like, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot his name too. I'm totally blinking on all these names today. I don't know why. Um, uh, he's Cuban, well, sorry, right? Uh, Jordan Alvarez. He's Jordan actually Alvarez. a left fielder. Jordan yeah. Alvarez. But no, but he yeah. DH'd um, for him that folks, year. He's a left fielder, but he DH'd for them. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting our, like, baseball reference exercises back in again. We're kind of yeah. regaining all this stuff. So sometimes we might be spacing a little bit. Uh, so that was with our division in the West. Uh, Seattle probably, they caught a fish in, like, Pike's Market or something <laughs> or whatever. And then... Uh, the Rangers are the Rangers. Now, a couple of potential targets. Uh, we know that we've been heartbroken and we lost our midfield with Marcus going to Toronto, as well as Tommy Lestella crossing the bridge. I feel like these were both the pipe dreams, by the way. Just want to throw it out there before we start. Yeah, these are yeah, these are a couple of pipe dreams, but these are something that we could have seen as something potentially happening. One is uh, Colton Wong, who former St. Louis Cardinal. He is a 
defensive stud mm-hmm. at second base for the for the Cardinals actually went to their rival with the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, a two-year, $18 million deal. And then our former angel, Geraldton Simmons, who was kind of somebody who's rumored to Oakland before John Fisher decided, hey, I'm not spending any money at all this offseason, and then I'm not paying more than $3 million for any player. Uh, he signed a one-year deal to go to uh, Minnesota and as their shortstop every day for $10.5 million. Uh, God, what the hell are we going to do? It, it's starting to seem more and more likely we're staying in-house. Yeah, dude, I mean, after seeing how much money they were willing to spend and seeing that they didn't even reach out to Marcus, Marcus had to reach out to them. It, like I said like I said last podcast, the writing's on the wall. It's going to be in-house shit, and, you know, we're still a good baseball team, but we're not going to be as good as we were last year. That's the unfortunate reality. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... Wong was definitely a pipe dream. I think that he was going to get the money that he got anywhere he went. Because, again, defense was stud, but also consistent bat. He always hits around 270 um, with about 15-plus home runs, and he can steal the steal bases. Usually gets, like, 25 stolen bases a year. Um, so And a great pickup for the Brewers. Um, they could use some help after losing um, a, another mind blank but they lost their second baseman two years ago and they you could tell that was they were not filling that hole um yeah i mean brewers are still good i mean they were a good team beforehand so this just makes them a little bit better i think they're gonna be the sleeper of the national league can you call them a sleeper think, like, when they dude, went to the a... when they went to the nlcs two years ago i mean well yes for the sake of when you're going to think of the National League this year, when you think about the heavy hitters, you're going to think Dodgers, Padres, Braves, and then probably the Mets. Those are going to be like your four teams, and you're not really going to think about anybody. But like, all I'm saying is like, if you're going against a seven-game series and the Brewers are going to throw out their their top two in the rotation with the back-end bullpen of Devin Williams and Josh Hader, like mm-hmm. that's – and like with that offense, if Christian Yelich kind of comes back to what he's been – I think that's a pretty scary team to face. Um, yeah. And then the Twins. Yeah, the Twins with uh, Simmons. This is a really good deal for him. He had a off year last season. We know what he can do defensively. He's arguably the greatest defensive shortstop ever, maybe. Um, uh, that's but a, this is a pretty good deal a for him. Hopefully. Look it up, man. I'm not wrong. I'm not saying maybe. I would say maybe. Hmm. But he's up there in terms of like a top three. I'm, I'm going to tell Ozzie Smith you said defensive. that. And I'll I'll see what him and the if rest you can of the find Ozzy Smith, if you can find him and tell him, go for it. That'd be great. I'd really appreciate that. Everybody who's listening and to this podcast, him. tweet at Julio that they're wrong and it's Ozzy Smith. And how dare he? Well, Ozzy Smith does have the best baseball appearance in The Simpsons because he got lost <laughs> in another dimension. Um. Anyway, but those are some potential target. Yeah, potential targets for the A's. Uh, but we're gonna go jump into some competitors. Oh, and I just want to say, 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 I just want to say. Yes, yes, This makes the Twins. They're already a good team. They get a better shortstop, but they still won't break their curse, so it doesn't matter. And they'll lose in the first round like they always do. Nate Peaster, if you're listening, I am sorry. Alder <laughs> Mate was a is a huge Twins fan. Um, but yeah, rest of the competitors. We're gonna st- uh, stay on Twins talk. Uh, we're gonna breeze through these and we're twins gonna kind of talk. talk about them as a whole. Uh, th- yeah, twins. This is a twins talk here. 
We're going to talk about the Twin Cities. Uh, they made a bullpen acquisition. They got Alex Colomb, who is the closer for the White Sox. He signed over there. And then they brought back uh, the boomstick himself, man, Nelson Cruz. Come back one-year deal in the DH. Uh, good stuff. Again, already a pretty good team. They're mm-hmm. pretty much going to stay in the path. Uh, we're going to talk about our dudes over at the four trained uh, savages. Shout out to the Schlatters. Uh, they made a couple big moves themselves. DJ Mayhew, it's been that long since recorded. This felt like this happened like a month ago. I know. Uh, DJ Mayhew will be staying in New York six years, $90 million. They also got uh, one pitcher I was kind of hoping Dave's would make a run on, which was Corey Kluber. He signed a mm-hmm. one year, $11 million deal. And they also traded for James Tallion from the Pirates because the Pirates are actually like a huge Ponzi scheme and don't actually want to field a competitive baseball team. No, they're selling off their entire team right now. Yep. And then let's go ahead and uh, jump over to Boston and uh, talk about Kike Hernandez. Again, somebody else I would have loved they used to try to go after, yeah, but he John Fisher so doesn't good. give up. Yeah. He doesn't care about spending money. A two years, $14 million deal. Mm-hmm. How hard is it to spend $7 million for somebody you could have had at second? Awesome clubhouse presence. Garrett Richards. Um, he's a little a washed, but he's still, he's still a solid starting pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, One-year, $10 million deal. And then the rare, extremely rare Yankee Red Sox trade, Adam Ottavino going to Boston. Uh, Player to be named later, but a huge – I think that's a pretty interesting deal. Ottavino was a a pretty great reliever for the Rockies. Oh, yeah. He'll be great for them. And then, last but not least, uh, Kirby Yates, the – uh, all-star closer for the Padres in 2019 had a injury plague year last year. Signed a one-year million, one-year 5.5 million dollar deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. They also traded for Stephen Matz from the New York Mets. And last but not least, uh, they the big fish in the pond has finally been caught. George Springer is leaving Houston. Six years, a hundred and fifty million dollar deal. I don't know what that is in Canadian currency, but he got paid. Chris, where do you want to start? A lot going out here. Let me just get it out of the way because we don't need to talk too much about it. LeMahieu, we all saw this coming. They were negotiating for a while. He got the money he wanted. Great. Um, I got to hold up. Before you go ahead of it, I just got to say with that deal, I feel like he got underpaid. $15 million a deal. I'm sorry, $15 million a year. For arguably the best second baseman in baseball. He's a little bit older. That's why. He's like, what, 30? 30, 31? Fact check that. Um, anyway. Yeah, 30, he's going to be 33, but still. Yeah. Moving over to He's DH. a little bit older, so you, you only want to get you yeah. don't give him more than six years. So I get that. And I'm sure. 15 yeah, million a year. I'm sure. And, and I'm, I'm sure it's front-ended. So it's probably the later years where it gets less. So it's probably going to be more, closer to like 18 mil in the first couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is shocking, but then you see his age and you're like, okay. Um, Kluber, great signing. I know Rich was pretty underwhelmed by that. Um, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with him. I mean, it's a, like, like you have someone better in your rotation right now that's taking that spot. No, your rotation is, but besides Cole, it's pretty right now, you know, like, I mean, you could use all the help you can get to be honest with you. So, um, and Robbie agrees um, with us. It was so funny because Robbie agreed with us and then Rich didn't. It was just like so yin and yang. It's usually the other way around. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's just to me, 
I, I think it's a great deal for the Yankees because it's like, you know, yeah, if you can strike year. anything that you can get out of him, then yeah. hell yeah. He's, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball, two-time yeah. Zion winner. But I think this is a bad deal for him because um, you're trying to rehab your career. You're trying to show that you've still got it. Why would you go to a hitter's a ballpark? Pitcher's nightmare. Yeah. yeah, where like, I don't think he's a... The reason why Garrett Cole is still successful over there is because the, the dude's a strikeout machine. I don't think Kluber has that anymore. He can't even hit the speeds that he yeah. hit in 16 and 17. So, interesting move on his end. But go on. Um, sorry, I have to pull my, the list back up. Uh, Coulomb and Cruz, the twins. Um, I mean, why not bring back Cruz? He was killing it for you. Coulomb's a solid reliever. Um, I think he was in the top five in saves last year, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, but I just... I just so thought funny. Um Yeah, he was top five in, in saves last year, so why not bring him back? Um Oh, exactly. Yeah, the Kike, the Kike thing, and we. T- I mean, you already talked about that, and I commented on it. Like that sucks. He would have been so great for us, but he's gonna be good for them. He pro- dude, he'll, he'll, he'll play no an everyday. Joke. He'll play an everyday role with the Red Sox too, which is great for him because he's been he's been deserving of that for a while now. He was no joke. I think he was probably like my number one option for days. Like yeah. uh, outside of bringing back La Stella and Marcus, I'm like, dude, I think this you would be perfect for that team. Yeah. Uh, I he. He wasn't cheap, or he was cheap. I thought he could have done it. He would have been a difference maker, I think so. And I think yeah. that's something that we've com- I've complained about to you, just having this really fun electric player out there. Mm-hmm. would have been awesome, but no. He went to Boston, but go on. Um, Richards, I think he's washed, but he's worth one year giving him a shot, so that's good for them. And then I'll finish off with the Jays. The Jays are spending money, and they are making moves this offseason. They are going to be... They're going to give the Yankees a run for their money this year, for sure. I think the Rays, though they just signed, which we'll get into in this next segment, they just signed Chris Archer, who I think is washed at this point, um, to kind of replace that. Um, that uh, uh, Charlie Morton. Uh, yeah, Charlie Morton. Or, I mean, I guess you could say and Blake also Snell. Blake Snell role. Um, I still think they're going to be worse. Um because that's two huge pitchers in your rotation you just lost. And you're replacing them with someone who has been struggling the past two and a half seasons. Um, yeah, the Jays are going to give the Yankees a run for their money. Are they better than the Yankees yet? I'm not ready to say that. But they, I think they're definitely a playoff team at this point. They were a playoff team last year. so But that was extended playoffs. If they don't extend the playoffs, I, I think they're still a playoff team. Excuse me. Yeah, I'm excited to when we... Um when we get closer to the start of the season, we do our, like our preview episodes and stuff. Um, the Jays are no joke. Hanjin Ryu was fantastic last year of uh, top three Cy Young finalists. Bo Bichette was awesome. Teoscar Hernandez was a huge breakthrough in, for the power. And now you're adding George Springer and Marcus Simeon. And then if Kirby Yates can somehow get any of that juice that he had during that 2018, 2019 season with the Padres, uh, they're, I think they're going to be contenders to win the American League. Um, there's going to be a lot of questions, Mark, back ahead rotation. Uh, Steven Motts is not really an earth-shattering deal, but if he's like your number five pitcher, 
you're in decent shape. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of question marks whether they're going to be playing in Buffalo or Toronto. We still don't know yet. Um, but this is a really exciting team. They're super young. They've got some really great veteran presence. I'm excited to see what they're going to do this year. Uh, now it's going to finish off. The looks like the stove is starting to cool down a little bit. Going to bring it down to simmer. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and run through the best of the rest signings. Uh, former, actually, no, I'm not going to give him the don't Oakland don't great do that. Status. Don't do that. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, he cost no. us yeah, that I, I'm game. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop. I'm gonna stop myself. John Lester going to the Nationals. Uh, one year, five million dollar deal. And then, hey, John Lester, arguably, you know why you only got five million dollars? Because you don't have a pickoff move. Keep going. <laughs> Damn. Uh, but also, I think this is the most low-key best signing of the offseason. Brad Hand, one year, ten and a half mil to go to the Nats. Who was their closer before? I'm trying to think of oh, their World Duke? Series year and who their Daniel Hudson. Was. Daniel Hudson. I would say yeah. Hand is an improvement on that. Dude, Brad Hand was like the best, second yeah. best reliever in the American League last year, besides yeah. Liam. Um, so killer deal i think the nats are gonna the nats really reloaded this off season really excited for them uh speaking of the national league east jt Romuto, uh your dude from your fantasy team this last year staying in philly five-year 115 million dollar deal to be their backstop for the next five years and then they also sign archie bradley uh to a one-year deal to be their closer freddie galvez a potential shortstop Phil from Marcus is going to Baltimore for a one-year, $1.5 million deal. Wilson Ramos, uh, all-star catcher for the Cubs. Kind of a shocking deal. He take he takes a one-year, $2 million deal. Yeah, he got underpaid go on Detroit. that one, man. I'm a little surprised. Yeah, I read a little piece that um, I guess he's boys with Miguel Cabrera. And there might have been he might have like talked him into coming. So yeah. who knows? That could be a great thing. They're a super young team. They got some uh, talented arms coming up. Uh, Casey Mize, one of them come to mind. So who knows? That could be a good thing to have that veteran backstop back there yeah. for them. Uh, World Series champ and the pride of the uh, Bay Area or the Palo Alto area of the Bay Area, Jock Peterson signing a one-year $8 million deal with the Cubs, pretty much taking the Kyle Schwarber role. They're pretty much the same player. I think he's a little bit faster. He's got a better glove. Um, it's kind of weird though. The Dodgers more reliable lose, too, more reliable. Um, uh, they didn't lose any big names, but they lost a lot of the guys who brought the personality. It's interesting. Uh, and then you hinted at it. Chris Archer returns to Tampa. He signed a one year, $6.5 million deal. So the Rays definitely won that trade at yeah. the end of all this. Yeah. And then last but not least King Felix, our old nemesis, just plowed us year after year. Uh, he is signing a one-year uh, one year minor league deal with Baltimore. Fingers crossed. I Hopefully he can get anything back. It's so much fun to watch him pitch. Dude, just stay retired. It. Like, you're a legend. Don't ruin that and that your legacy by doing these minor league deals. Just stay retired, yeah. man. Yeah, he he set out last season. He signed a deal deal with the Braves, but then COVID happened. He set out. So yeah, um, yeah. So hope best of luck to him. But Chris, guess what? This is an Ace podcast. We and keep we saying that, and then we keep we not really. We keep saying that and keep not really talking about the A's. We mention like little tidbits that relate to them, but we haven't talked about them. So maybe we should actually full on talk about them now. No, we're gonna full on talk about them because the rest of the time, um, if you stuck around for this whole time, bless you. Um, but we actually have a lot of stuff to cover with the A's. 
First things first, uh, this is a back of house story more so, but uh, the Red Ball deal. So Red Ball was the, uh, how would you describe them? Was it the sports broker firm? It was like a sports like um, uh, venture capitalist firm that their mission was to purchase sports franchise and be um, funding and be um, venture capitalists for specifically sports um, related businesses uh, as opposed to like your typical Silicon Valley, like VC firms. That's right. So one of the main guys in it was Billy Bean. We talked about this a few months ago. Uh, there was a, a plan in place where they were going to be purchasing a part of the Red Sox. And uh, over the last few weeks, the plan fell through, which means uh, Billy Sting. What that means for the future, um, I think even Bo Mel and a couple other ace uh, beat writers have pointed that he's going to be gone within the next few years because this sounds like this isn't going to be the first time he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. But for the time being... Um, more or less the face of the franchise for the last 20 plus years will be around for this season. So um, how do you feel, man? It's not, it, maybe a pipe, the pipe dream is he can get this firm to buy a part of the team, but we'll I see. expected him to be gone. So the fact that he's going to be here for at least another year is pretty cool. Um, he, I mean, so he said in uh, Tim Kawakami, I think was the one who interviewed him. He said that interview that um, he, no matter what he was going to, stay on for at least this season um i think because of certain contract agreements that his firm wouldn't completely own the red sox this season so he would be able to manage and stay on as the vp of baseball ops yeah i'm very curious to see if it ever comes out what exactly happened fell through with the deal um but um i am also interested to see if john fisher continues not spend money like this um, and the fan base continues to attack him like we have been, which continue to do so, by the way. Listeners, keep going. Keep doing it, baby. Yeah. Keep going. Force him to sell. Is Billy Bean's firm going to be interested in buying the A's? Um, I think Joe Lacob is a member, a founder of this firm. Or no, he's not. I think it's Lou Wolf. So that Oh, would God, be no. Worse. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we'll see what happens. Um I'm sure – I don't know if any teams will come available soon. I think probably if, if the losses keep going down, especially after the pandemic. So, yeah, I, I don't get too attached. But we have his protege in David Forrest, so I'm not too uh, worried about it at the moment. And if we continue to not spend money, I'm still going to be frustrated with the team regardless. So it's not going to change much basically is what I'm getting at, you know? Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, actually, you're right. Uh, Lou Wolf is actually on the board. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, Billy Bean's a coach. I know Joe Lacob is really good friends with Billy Bean, though. Interesting. So I'm kind of reading a little bit more about – yeah, it's weird. There's a lot of really weird ties. So uh, Gary Cardinal, he's the other co-chairman with Mm -hmm. uh, Billy Bean. He actually was a person that founded Yes Network for the Yankees. Hmm. Um, he also put like a huge investment in Skydance Media. Uh, hmm. So Skydance uh, film production company, they did like Mission yeah. Impossible, Star Trek, um, the new Top Gun that's coming out. But then also, uh, do you know who the CEOs are of 
Skydance. Uh, JJ is JJ one or no JJ's no. company is it's not it's not a it's not a film person I'll tell you that it's somebody JJ's who's a really familiar name to us uh, and that is uh, one Larry Ellison former Golden State Warriors owner that's really interesting yeah hmm. it's weird it's it's so um, who knows man I think this if they can somehow pull this off of uh, off of like John Fisher, then great. But honestly, in reality, it's just cool. I think the great thing about Billy is like you see when you're at the games, you see him around. Yep. You see him walking around the, the mm-hmm. concourse all the time. You'll see him in the stand. So it's awesome to see He's him. He's the there. presence, owner ownership presence, him and Dave Cavill that John Fisher isn't. Like most people don't even know what John Fisher looks like. Because he's a bastard. All right. He's probably a, a nice person. At no, least, he can maybe. go fuck off. Um all right. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, not so much of baseball news, but I think this is pertaining to Oakland and uh, the Coliseum itself. So let's talk about it. Uh, the Coliseum is actually going to be used as a vaccination site. Uh, more so, this is actually a, a partnership with the Biden administration, uh, as well as, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with the California government as a mass vaccination site. So they're mm-hmm. instead of just doing like their own uh, thing off the side where the organization or the city is doing it, they're actually getting help from the federal government to do it. Yeah. Um, not really much we can talk about, but uh, our fam friends and family, in the East Bay, if you're uh, close enough to Oakland, if you're willing to make that drive and you're eligible to get that vaccine right now and you're opening to, and you are willing to do it, why not do it at the Coliseum? What it, what it came down to was when Kamala calls and asks you to do something, you do it, regardless if you're a shitbag or not, John Fisher. Uh, when when the vice president and uh, home hometown hero calls you, you do it. So that's basically what happened. And it's great PR for them, so why not? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, not too much sad to there. But one of our great, former Oakland great, has announced his retirement uh, Josh Fagley has retired from baseball at the age of 32. Um, if you forgot who Josh Fagley is, one, shame on you. It's only been two, a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He hasn't been gone for that long, guys. Uh, but two, Josh was a part of the uh, Jeff Samarja deal back in 2015 that netted uh, Marcus as well as Chris Bassett. He was a part of the A's organization, organization from 2015 through 2019 mm-hmm. uh and he his big significance with the organization one he was always around he was always like the number two backstop i'm doing great stuff but two uh he caught mike fires no hitter in 2019 he's also um, i mean he was a starting catcher in 2019 yes he was the starting catcher in 2019 and then sean murphy kind of came in the halfway through the season mm-hmm. um and yeah I'm, i was sl- a little bit surprised no. i guess he must have an injury or something like that yeah, uh, he's only he's turning 33 in about a week. So one, happy early birthday. Uh, but two, yeah, uh, last year he was a free agent. He took a minor league deal with the Cubs. I don't think yeah. he even made it into the bigs. Uh, he was DFA'd. Who knows? I could see him. He was around the organization for a long time. He had a lot of great reviews. I could see him maybe becoming a part of uh, minor league and coaching if he's open to it. Yeah. But um, 
it's actually before we jump into it, it's something that I, I wanted to talk to about. I didn't, I didn't have it written down, but there was this article going around about the depth, like each position depth for the A's. And they talked about catcher and they talked about uh, Sean Murphy and Jonah Heim. Dude, this time last year, we were so pessimistic about backstop, mm-hmm. about what we're going to be doing. We knew Sean was going to be good. Because well, we just didn't, we didn't fully, well, we knew he was going to be good. We didn't fully know. We didn't really know yeah. what, what the potential was. And then we got to see it last year in a full season of it. Yeah. We're like, oh, fuck, this guy's going to be one of the best in the league. Yeah. Uh, but right now, they're saying this is arguably the best catching tandem in baseball. Depth. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that too, and I agree. I, I mean, depth wise. Yeah. 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 I, 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 100%. Yeah, like there's gonna be there's obviously there's catchers better than Sean Murphy right now, um, yeah. but but the two of them together, it's just it's pretty and it's kind of a bummer because I remembered when um when Fagley was released, um I was like shit like we don't we're not ready to you know, the like catchers is not ready to kind of take on the spurt and like full time role yeah and little did we know they did so um, anyway uh, Josh. Have a had a great career. Uh, and, arm uh, had an arm for days. He threw people out like crazy. Days. It was insane. But now it's going to go to some more somber stuff. Chris, we have a new member of the former Oakland Great Hall of Fame. Yeah. Hit the music. Joaquim Soria. Oakland, 2019-2020, he pitched in 99 games. Damn, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, 2019, he had a 4.3 ERA. And then last year, 2.82. Part of the stellar uh, back end of the rotation last year. He signed a one-year deal to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but here's the, the more startling number about it. The A's are now 0 and 7 on potential on free agents on the team. There's four players left. Mike Fires, Yusmer Petit, TJ McFarlane, and Jake Lamb. <sighs> what are we doing, man? I, I, I just don't know how they expect to fill these roles. I mean, Joaquin, I think we saw that one coming after the Marcus and Listella debacle. They're going to try and fill those reliever spots in-house, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, which I feel a little bit better about bullpen um, next man up, but it would have been nice to bring him back, and it sounded like we thought they were interested. Same with Petit. If Petit doesn't retire, too, who knows? He's pretty old. Um, yeah, he. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I, mean, numbers... I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't expect anything, Julio. That's the thing. Like, I, that, you can feel the somber in my voice. Not somber, but the the um, the underwhelmingness in my voice. Because at this point, after, especially after the Marcus situation, like, I just don't expect it. So, like, I'll be shocked if it happens. But if it, when it doesn't happen, I'm, I'm you're not going to get, like, an angered Chris anymore because this is just who the shitbag that we have to deal with the cheap billionaire shitbag that we have to deal with. Uh, remember how I joked the other day, how like we're not paying anybody more than $3 million. That's actually how it can feels. You, yeah. No. Can you guess what 
his contract was, how much Soria signed with the D-backs. Is it $3.1 million? <laughs> Got, uh, close. It was $3.5 million <laughs> one year. Um, and yeah, but no, you, you already kind of hit the, the nail on the head. Uh, if there's anywhere we can kind of afford to lose the guys, it was going to be the bullpen. Um, oh, they turned off the Tom Brady thing in the back. Yeah, that's what I was just noticing. Stuff. I was looking back at that. Uh, maybe at midnight they turned it off or something. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, if there's anywhere we can afford to lose those guys, it would be in the bullpen. Um, we have there's some people we have in the minors who are ready to go. There's also a couple minor moves that they made that could see some uh, some potential to be in the bigs for us. Yeah, but it's just uh, it was nice to have that veteran in the back of the pen. Um, if we keep losing more and more bullpen guys does that entice you more to if you're bob melvin to maybe aj puck bullpen is the right place for him to try and fill well, those it, it, to try and fill those roles with just at least some talent and you can use talent to get you through that instead of experience it's not a bad idea we've been taught we've talked about this a lot like we've yeah. been talking about this since october it, it we kind of just have to see what happens with the rest of the rotation. I think if they if bring they can, back Mike Fires, that's a sign. Yeah, and it, from all uh, intents and purpose, there's been a couple mm-hmm. of quotes from Fires who's like he wants to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reality is he's somebody who probably could be back. He's never been uh, an outstanding pitcher, but he's definitely been a pretty consistent yeah, guy We've been... he was really good i would disagree he was yeah phenomenal. yeah and yeah it, it seems like he's only gotten better and then last season again 2020 is a weird season you can't really judge guys too much off of it yeah um if you can fill that rotation with guys who not necessarily on the same level as aj puck but people can be pretty serviceable in those roles then shit why not kick the tires and see what you can get out of the bullpen mm-hmm. and um halfway through the season if you think he's ready to start move one of the guys to the the pen or see if you can trade one of those starters uh but it, if they can't bring back petit or mcfarland then it's going to start getting like oh shit we were running out of arms kind of yeah. thing yeah um, but we'll see. Joaquim Toria, Pride of Mexico. Awesome. But guess what? We kind of made moves, I guess. Yeah, if minor league moves count as moves, sure. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Perez, um, who, when I told Chris, his reaction was, uh, who the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you don't remember, Carlos Perez was a part of the Angels for a few years back in 2015-2017. And then he went to the Braves. Um, he's a catcher. They signed him to a one-year minor league incentive deal, pretty much a binary spring training. More or less a veteran presence for fake or vaguely well. Excuse me, for Haim and Murphy. Um I'm a little confused about it. We just were talking about how if there's anywhere the A's are pretty solidified in that they're pretty confident going into the season, it is a catcher. And it, it kind of reminds me a little bit to bring in our football background. It, it reminds me when the Raiders signed Jason Winton, which was like, 
uh, Darren Waller is pretty pretty much established as like one of the best tight ends of football, and then Foster Monroe. Foster Monroe has been yeah good yeah yeah yeah. So why even waste a potential spot on that position? Is it because uh, and even uh, post when Jason Wynn announced his retirement a few weeks ago, um, a lot of the Raiders players came out and like really praised him. So who knows, man? Maybe the org might know something a little bit more about Carlos Perez. Yeah. Who they can provide some veteran presence and kind of teach these guys a little bit more, even though, you know, you have multiple former catcher, big league catchers in your organization as managers and coaches. I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. If you're and, and to top it off, we haven't talked about Austin Allen as a backstop as well. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I I don't I don't that that was the other thing that I texted you as well. Like, um, who's that? And like I don't I don't understand because it feels like we have such a solid like catching core and two young guys. Um and also Austin Allen behind that if, if as like Jonah Heim insurance. So like this none of this makes sense to me. So I mean it it is what it is. I mean he'll he'll never play. <laughs> he'll hang out in the minors for a while and you know, cool. Like I don't really have much more to say on it. Yeah, exactly. And if you're wondering, um, we should. I feel like that's gonna be an ongoing bit. If if he's in the A's price range, if it's below three million dollars, he was. Then wasn't you're going to be wasn't it in, one million or something? You're you're going to be in Oakland A. Um, uh, it was. Oh, let me see right here. Six hundred fifty thousand dollars salary oh, if he makes it to the majors. Yeah, sweet. So John Fisher was probably like, ooh. Maybe, That's a little tight. Maybe one point, maybe one point five million is should be the new threshold. <laughs> maybe, um, but yeah, interesting move. Um, they also made a trade for this is somebody that it's a little more compelling. I'm gonna pull up his numbers as we're talking. Uh, I was gonna say uh, Kyle Turley, but no, that's not the former lineman from the Rams. <laughs> Nick Turley uh, acquired from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Because, again, the Pirates are actually just a huge Ponzi scheme. Uh, he is a reliever. Um, not much is known about him. He pitched last year, but uh, he only you know, he had 25 appearances. He had a 4.9 ERA. He wasn't great in the majors. Uh, if anything, I think what the A's are probably looking into was his 2017 minor season. He pitched 92 innings, had a 2.5 ERA, 124 strikeouts, 1.01 whip. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing about these, and there's somebody else we're going to talk about in a minute, just these random pitchers who, no names, uh, kind of find them like you, you're in the rotation. Uh, they do a fantastic job of developing these guys. Mm-hmm. So there's, there, there's potential with them. Do you have anything else like, yeah, I think really he'd be, the... he could be a solid potential um, bullpen guy, um, which we need those guys in, in the as much as we can right now, being that we're letting all of them go. Um, but that was another one when you text me. I was like, okay, cool. Do we need to really talk about this much on the podcast? And you're like, eh, not really. You know what I mean? It's just it. Yeah, uh, it, it's more just like it's wait and see. Like you know, just like just like Jonah Jonah Hill says in in Moneyball, 
uh, uh, Boston's going to wait and see. Well, the Hayes are going to wait and see. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see how they pan out. Um, I, and honestly, I don't know anything about them to give like an educated um, opinion on our podcast. I feel like I'd be doing our listeners a disservice to try and talk about them. You know, I haven't, yeah, I I haven't even read anything on them. Yeah, uh, I haven't. I'll be honest. When I heard the news, I didn't know either. Um, I did yeah. a little bit of research. So he was out and he was injured in 2018 and 2019. So he didn't pitch those couple seasons. And then mm-hmm. last year, he just wasn't great. Wait, I thought um, you but a couple. 2017, 2018. Oh, no, 2018, 2019. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but from what I've read, he's got some decent heat on his curveball. Uh, anytime you can get somebody in the back of the rotation or in the, in the pen who is going to be throwing heat, then hell yeah, you're going to take it. And he's a lefty. Yeah. The aides love their lefties in the back of the bullpen. Um, our potential just think and also another thing you gotta think about who was jake diekman you remember when we, we we needed a bullpen arm in 2019 and they got jake diekman and we were like we traded for him right yeah yeah he had a shit ton of holds that was what he was known for yeah yeah and he wasn't great in 19 and it was weird because like we saw some potential he he had we saw that he had some pretty good velocity on his fastball but yeah he didn't look good and now this guy is probably going to be our closer next season Mm -hmm. and he was the best arguably the best reliever last year so they know what they're doing if there's anything i feel confident about what the team is doing it's that Mm -hmm. um when it comes to pitching yeah when it comes to pitching uh one last thing before we move on from him though high school uh pretty prestigious Southern California baseball high school, Harvard Westlake. Mm, that's that is a very prestigious high school uh, baseball program. Nolan Arenado and Matt Chapman. Yeah, uh, no, Matt Chapman was in. Uh, um, I thought they went to Westlake. Uh, hold on, let me. No, I think the Harvard Westlake. I want to say is like Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's Lucas Giolito, Max Fried, Jake, uh, Jack Flaherty, all Harvard Westlake. A lot of good pitchers from there, too. Yeah, wow. Southern uh, Southern California, man. They know how to breed their pitchers. And uh, they made one more move for the pitching. They got Cole Irvin. Again, who? Um, get a little insight. 27-year-old lefty. From Anaheim, California, they got him from the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, uh, one thing I really wanted to talk about them. He, he pitched in the bigs last year, three games, terrible, 17 ERA. Pitched in 19 in the bigs, terrible, 16 games, uh, 5.83 ERA. But minor league career is where you really want to look out for. 2017, he was in double A and then um, in single A plus. He had 3.39 ERA. 2018, in AAA Philly, he had a 2.57 ERA. And then in 2019, he had a 3.94 ERA. Hmm. Um, He is a starter. We'll see. This could be somebody that could potentially be like that 5-6 guy in the rotation um, he, he's gonna have to. to he's gonna have a tough battle to get to make that rotation. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, well, we'll we'll 
We'll see if, if Mike fires is like, Hey, I, I'm looking for 3.1 million. And John Fisher's like, Oh shit. I, I don't have it, man. Well, there's a pretty talented like guy named AJ Puck that didn't play last year. Who's probably going to look for a starting spot. That's what I'm getting to. Unless he goes, there's also, bit. dude, this guy's six, four. Damn. It's a big boy. Um, but yeah, it, it I, I wish, you know, honestly, guys, I wish we could kind of talk about these moves a little bit more and kind of can talk about what they can bring. But honestly, the, it, it's, it's such a un- limited, pretty underwhelming on the Oakland side, folks. Pretty underwhelming. Really, only we can really talk about is what they've done in the minors and then what the potential of uh, having the, co- the coaching organization can do with them. There's not really much you can do with that. And, yeah. But if anything... These, these guys are the bread and butter of the organization. These are pitching is what the A's really do well when it comes to getting these no and names off the street. We're also talking about this like we don't already have like a stacked rotation, which we do. Exactly. So it's like this is also these are also moves that aren't relevant because they're not going to be in there. These are potential maybe bullpen moves. These aren't guys. These guys. I don't think we're going to get anybody in the offseason that's going to be better than Lazardo, Manaya. Uh, Montaz and um, wow Bassett like, it's just not gonna happen like you know it's probably yeah we don't have to I undersell can't... it Every, if you're an ace fan you know how stacked our our rotation is and how it's probably one of the best in the league absolutely and I, I was talking about this with um, my brother Lias shout out Lias you know that's like shitty these last few weeks have been as an A's fan when it came to the players we've lost and, and all that. And this is still a pretty good team. Yeah. I just don't know if we're world series bound like we were before. That's the, that's what's heart disheartening, but yeah, we're, we're a playoff team. 1000%. Yeah. Uh, In a division that keeps getting worse. It feels like, the only way I can see them being a World Series team is if the Mats are like MVP caliber, which is and possible. If, which is possible. And Lazardo is is an All Star, and if in Sean Murphy is an All Star, and yeah, yeah, like the the pieces are there. The pieces of what can make this team yeah. really great, we have them there. Like you said, Murphy and Loriano, patrolling center, Canna. Yeah. Uh, on a contract year, it could be big. And there, this is still a really good. This is still a pretty good team. It's just like, at the end of the day, we're not going to have the firepower to hold up in a full series, and they're not going to make a move for that fire firepower. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's disheartening. Disheartening. Definitely. Uh, we're going to be finishing up, but before we do, uh, we're going to be talk about a couple. We didn't have a chance to talk about it yet. Uh, a couple of Major League Baseball legends. Uh, we've now lost something about 10 Hall of Famers in the last calendar year. Uh, Don Sutton, former Dodger, great, also pitched for the A's in 1985, passed away at the age of 75. He was a full four-time All-Star, spent majority of his career wearing Dodger blue, mm-hmm. and was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 1998. Um, but we lost an absolute titan of baseball. Uh, one of the most Im- greatest and most important players ever. Hank Aaron uh, passed away at 86 years old. 
you all know about him. Just want to throw out some numbers. 25 time All Star, which is what the fuck? Yep. <laughs> uh, World Series champ and MVP in 1957. Um, 755 career. Home runs was the all-time home run king. Depending on how you want to look at it, home run, home all-time home run champion. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, Hall of Fame class of 1985. Um, this one hurt a lot, man. Yeah, the I think the first my first response to you when we text about it was um, the two greatest hitters of all time are now dead. Which um, y- yes, they're both old, but still which is him in my opinion, at least him and Ted Williams. Um, so that sucks. Just, I think just Hank Aaron's impact on the game playing in the Jim Crow South, um, growing up there as well. Um, uh, playing for a fan base in Atlanta that was widely like that kind of like forced that demographic to accept, um, uh, people like him and stars like him. Um, uh, his memorable um, uh, record-breaking home run when the two dudes are running around the bases with him, I think says a lot about what, the impact that he had on that city, two white dudes who are running around the bases with him. Um, another funny little tidbit, I told Julio about that that he didn't know. That was um, Craig Sager's first interview as a, um, a sideline reporter. He interviewed... Um, Shout out. Yeah, he interviewed uh, Hank Aaron right after he hit that home run. Uh, which was pretty cool. He was working for a local station down um, down in uh, Atlanta. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. He just means so much to the game. Um, he's one of the greatest hitters of all time, and he's gone now. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been a pretty sad year really uh when it came to just the, all these these legends we've we've lost and uh yeah yeah him he's just this guy is a is a god in mm-hmm. baseball and um that they you know honestly though the fact that too we were decades before being born and we know so much about him his legacy will always be around he'll be and we have there's an award the hank aaron award it's named after him now there's some people who are trying to get a petition started to change the name of the Braves because of um, you know it's kind of it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. And uh, change the name to the Atlanta Hammers after Hank Aaron. It's Hammer honestly, and Hank. And also MC Hammer, mm-hmm. former Oakland Bat Boy. Yeah, but got his he, nickname. But he has nothing to do with with the Braves. Who? MC Hammer. No, but the reason he got the nickname Hammer was because when he was a bat boy for the A's, they used to say he looked like a young Hank Aaron. Oh, really? I didn't so know So they used that. to call him... Do you, you didn't know that? Yeah. Yeah, so when he was the bat boy, uh, Reggie Jackson was the one that gave him the nickname. That's pretty that cool. He looked, like, he looked like a little Hank Aaron, so they used that's to call him cool. Hammer. So, yeah, that's why I'm like, wow, I'll try to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd myself, be awesome. I wouldn't call myself, although he's from Oakland, I wouldn't call myself a MC Hammer um, extraordinaire. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't blame you there in that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but last, uh, but not least, um, Dick Callahan, the 
A's PA announcer since 2005. Um, he stepped into the role that he succeeded Roy Steele, who was also a Titan, who we referred voice to as God. The, the voice of God, and picked up right where he left off. It has been amazing. Um, he passed away on January 22nd at the age of 80. Um, before, uh, a lot of, you know, I know him mostly because of the A's, mm-hmm. uh, but before he was a part of the A's organization as a the PA announcer there, it, he was a Golden State Warriors PA announcer from yeah. 1981 till 2000. Um, so he, somebody who has some really He's been deep, around. Yeah, barrier roots. Uh, a lot like he, Bill King, yeah. Some barrier roots kind of tied to a lot of teams, yeah. Absolutely. Um, he actually, if you, I'm sure you all know, but he actually set out this past season in 2020 due to some health concerns. He actually um, had a health issue and decided it was best for him to uh, not call the season. Um, and unfortunately, um, we know we were like, cool. He's going to be coming back in 2021. And unfortunately he passed away. Um, it was really an off. This is, this came the same week as Marcus leaving and as Tommy Stella leaving and just us being frustrated with John Fisher. And then this happened. This, that, this was, this was a horrible week. Yeah. Not much else to add, but I, I don't know. My personal favorite is how about third baseman, Eric Chavez, just like the way I don't want to say it too loud. Cause yeah. I'm in a hotel, but he, yeah. uh, just the way he would kind of like finish off Chavez and, I don't know. Yeah, he he just felt like the Coliseum to me. He just felt like home. So it's I don't know. It's gonna be weird going to a game and not hearing his voice and hearing him say the batting order. And then occasionally a kid when a kid says the batting order in like the third inning or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be weird not hearing that for sure. It's a tough. One. I just. And now for the umpiring crew at cat, uh, behind home plate. Angel Hernandez. Ooh. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Um, we had a running list of uh, some of the favorites. Uh, <laughs> so there's some of the favorite names I'd love to hear. Super random, but Kevin Kuzma. That's a good one. It's a classic. Yep. Uh, Mike Gallego. <laughs> Kurt Suzuki. And then uh. Shout out to Xavier for this one, Xavier Bejarano. Co, co, Chris. Yep, that's a great one too. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Can we just have some good news? Can we just have some good news for A's? Hopefully, like, next time we talk to you, listeners, we'll have some good news. Maybe we shouldn't like, pod. Maybe we shouldn't pod until we hear some good news. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> this this is our 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 venting pod yeah um yeah that's how we vent this one the uh, last one yeah exactly but uh condolences to his family yeah friends the organization apps absolute titan um yeah man that's absolutely that'll uh, i think that'll that'll end it for us then right julio yeah, hopefully, yeah, uh, hopefully, you know, we get the news that Trevor Bauer signs with the A's, and then we can 
or some good news, just any good news. And then hopefully that'll be a bright spot to our next podcast. But um, we will be back soon. Um, spring training is going to start up soon, so we'll be potting more often. Once spring training comes, maybe every two weeks or something. And then once the season starts, regular every week. Um, so we'll leave it at that. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And last but not least, Julio. Let's go Oakland! Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork thank you so much for listening everybody please tune in next week please subscribe and last but not least as we always say let's go oakland